If Fog Could Sing Stories by Charlie Price A New Species of Butterfly by Charlie Price Read by Robert Price It was a beautiful day. There was something almost madly magical in the light. Grandfather was swaying again. Drool jewelled his hanging mouth. He was staring at something, some dream over the sycamores far away, lost. Brother had no one to play swing ball with, so he played with himself. His strikes grew angrier. Soon the ball was in undying motion and would not stop. Its circle whizzed. With each revolution the bonded ball drew in the air a circumference, a locus, it didn't stop. Its animation could not be explained. The swing ball ball had a will of its own. Brother took a plate of lunch. Three small helpings of red and green and pink foods, none of which could be touching. Then he retired to his room. Grandfather was wordless these days, bar two words. Bathroom and fuck. The first was a noun, but he meant it like a verb, some conjugation of the infinitive to bathroom. Fuck is both a noun and a verb. Whether fuck is a possibility or not, we still can't help believing in that word's primeval, supple usefulness. Sometimes I say the word fuck in private to myself, aloud, over and over again, just to practice saying it, so, should it be summoned in heat or slip in passion, I've rehearsed and grown to possess it, authentically. It's fricative, it's fishmouth ah, uh, and it's closing rimshot. Grandfather stopped swaying. Grandfather was drooling. The swing ball was whirring. Brother had retired. A patio lunch was being consumed outside under the largest of our parasols. Auntie had showed up with her fourteen-year-old son, cousin, to me. Cousin couldn't stop staring at me. He was enamoured, and transparently so, for I am a conjurer. His regard was quite deep, utterly ashamed and instantly denied by a sharp aversion of his gaze should I so much as glance in his direction. But if I crossed my eyes and monitored him in periphery without his noticing, I found that the transparency of his regard tickled me. He'll probably wank over me this evening, I remember thinking. Of all that is expressed in that thought, only the adverb probably, strikes me as naive now. Auntie's husband, uncle, had passed from decades of alcohol abuse a few months ago. Auntie now had a new boyfriend, Steve, whom I regarded as an imposter of sorts. Both Steve and uncle attended the lunch. Steve 
slipping discs of oregano tomatoes and rosemary-rubbed chops into his mouth and telling anecdotes of all the frauds and sociopaths on dating apps. Uncle, as still and brittle and expressionless as a vase or any piece of furniture. I say brittle. He was softening in this heat. He was nude and his nakedness was green with mould. Auntie put a sun hat on Uncle's head, having complained herself about the heat. At one point, in a spirit of festivity, she even took a cigar from her handbag and placed it in Uncle's pallid, despairing mouth and lit it, only for it to die a few moments later. Mother brought out a bowl of salad. I remember how she lifted up a lettuce leaf from the bowl that dripped with Caesar dressing. It was curled, like a snail. She ate it in one bite, joyfully. Father demanded beer. Mother said, Of course, dear, and didn't come back with any. But Auntie reminded him that Uncle was an alcoholic, so all booze was best avoided at the table. Mother returned with a second salad, red rice, onions, asparagus, vinaigrette. Brother came back out with a jam jar. There were two pots of pepper plant, a patch of green tomatoes, whose jagged leaves were so fragrant it was like sticking your nose into a Heinz can, and a couple of cabbages. Soliciting the tall green customers in this area of the garden were six or seven cabbage-white butterflies, some lazily lulling, stupefied by the perfumes of the vegetable patch, some drugged to hysterical flutters. I remember watching them, turning tricks in the windless, sunlit air at the apathetic vegetables. Mother looked at them lovingly, they are beautiful, she said. Beer, father barked. Prostitutes, Steve said. Fuck, said grandfather. Look at those buttery flies, auntie said to uncle, whose corpse did not reply. Why is that swing ball going around and around, said cousin. I didn't say anything. Brother was mute and had nothing to add to the conversation. Brother tried to catch one of the more languid butterflies in his jam jar. He succeeded after a few attempts, and put the lid on his captive. He brought the jam jar to the table, and presented it, almost proudly, in a shy pride. The butterfly flapped hysterically in the lidded jam jar. Everyone peered at the cabbage white his captivity, his unfree flight, the rowing of his wings compassed in walls of glass. Even Uncle's pungent head seemed to slump in the general direction of the butterfly. But I noticed that Grandfather was still looking elsewhere, still gazing at that dream, whatever it was, beyond the sycamores. Brother, joined the table. A strange, mystical while elapsed, a wordless while. 
The bout was pleasant, undisturbed. My family, and Steve, and this butterfly flapping in agony. Steve, soiled the quiet. I like watching it flail. I like watching beautiful things flail. Their desperation, like a bird, a bird made of flowers. When I was a boy, I used to catch butterflies. I used to flatten them under a paperweight. I used to scissor their wings. I used to pin the wings to a board and label them. I used to start fires and wet my bed. The air ebbs, slow, slow, slowly, under my supervision. The air ebbs. She grows hungry. She grows tiny with hunger. She expires. She subsides. She. Uncle, slipped off his chair and sprawled on the floor. His limbs looped uglily. His belly looked bloated, and his prick had stood up without anyone noticing its ascension. The sun hat, blew away. He always did like to watch, Auntie said. Bathroom, Grandfather cried out. Oh, I'll do it, Steve crowed, standing up suddenly. I love stoma bags. So you do, Auntie said. He put that on his profile page. What app was it again? Mother said. That brought us together, Auntie answered. I believe it's called I'm Coming for You. Coffee now, Father barked. Yes, let's go in for coffee, Mother said. Yes, it's a murderous day. I'm getting sunstroke out here, Auntie concurred. Why is that swing ball going around and around? Cousin asked again. Steve set about emptying Grandfather's stoma bag, but as soon as he attempted to fold aside Grandfather's cardigan, Grandfather slapped him across the face. I went in, with father, mother, brother, auntie, cousin and Steve. The swing ball still whizzed around and around. I looked behind at who was left behind. Uncle, on the floor with an erection. Grandfather, congealed in his chair, and the jam jar, in the centre of the table, dancing with his captive butterfly, cabbage vital and white as virginity. We sat in half a ring on the sitting-room sofas. Mother said she would bring out coffee, but instead she brought sherry glasses and a blue bottle of Bristol cream. Hooray! Auntie cried out in undignified celebration. Booze! I can talk about sex now. She received her small flute of amber drink and drank it in one. The dog was off the leash. Mother filled the other glasses, even giving one to cousin, without asking Auntie first. Don't give my son booze without asking, Auntie exclaimed incandescently. She had scruples about so little, so this exclamation surprised me. Mother retracted the glass of sherry like a false compliment. Now everyone except cousin had a glass of sherry. He looked grim. 
So, niece, auntie began, gazing perfectly in my direction, are you sexually active? Sister, mother ejaculated. Daughter, you don't have to answer that. She can speak for herself, sister, auntie said. Another. She tapped out on her glass, the universal tapping that means more drink. Mother obliged and then reseated herself. I did answer. I'm waiting for a new sort of man to come into my life, I said. All the ones I've messed around with so far have been caterpillars. They haven't opened their wings yet. They just don't know how to get the job done. Yes, yes, that's like Steve, Auntie said, pointing at Steve. He has a prick like a caterpillar. It has hairs. It's stripy. It even has antennae. Your uncle, though. You saw his talent. I spoke to Cousin. What about you, Cousin? Do you have a girl in your life? Cousin tried to speak, but Auntie cut in. No, no. He's a eunuch. I couldn't tell if this was a literal statement or not. We sometimes call him the Pope. He's like a wanking Pope. He likes the idea of it, but in actual fact he's terrified of the vagina. I think I traumatised him in childhood. Cousin didn't react much. He sat, pale and comatose. I used to say when he was small, Mummy's coming to get you. Mummy's coming to gobble you up. Again. And I'd make a snapping motion like this with my hand, like a big butterfly flying towards him. She demonstrated with her hand. Mummy's coming to gobble you up. Vagina dentata, father said. Oh, I used to have that, auntie said. What, a toothed vagina, father said. No, she broke off. Never mind. The wordiness around him drove brother outside. I caught a glimpse of him through the French windows, which I could see through an open living room door. He was inspecting the swing ball, still going around and around making its perfect lit and lifted locus in the air. What is a locus? The compass, the area of a donkey's prison, the furthest an enslaved creature can stray from the post to which he is tied. A jackass, a dog, a pig, any animal, any beast. There's no animal you can't tie up, frustrate, imprison, cause anguish. Why are the butterflies so free and beautiful? I went outside. Brother was just a few feet away. I watched the whites oscillating and twirling in the slanting beams of postprandial light. I gazed on their freedom, their ravenousness, their vitality, the torso of one and then another, each manufacturing her perfect, tiny case of eggs. I gazed on their faith, among the odours and green growths of the vegetable patch, their play in the garden. I gazed on their faith, their fidelity to this place. Bonnie, beautiful life, I remember thinking, life unbound, fertile, changing, pregnant, fornicating life. 
I dreamed of an unclipping, birds unclipping each other's wings. Brother gazed at the swing ball going around and around, not even able to play a game with himself. I felt sad for him. The voices of the others in the living room made a hum of chatter that was audible but not intelligible to me. What are they talking about? Their desires, their dreams, their memories. I had been lost in thought. I looked back at the patio table. Uncle was still on the ground, but no longer hard. He smelt bad in the sun. Grandfather was gone. Where was he? And the butterfly was no longer there, in the jam jar. The jam jar had been unlidded, and the butterfly freed. Brother grew tired of watching, and he went into the path of the spinning swing ball. He tried to stop it, catch it, capture it, but it was too fast for him every time. It struck his head each time, victorious in its evasion, and moved on freely to complete its revolution. I went back into the living room. Where's Grandfather? I asked. He's gone. Everyone shrugged. No one seemed to care. We're too tipsy to care, Auntie said. We're enjoying being tipsy too much to care, Mother Quasi concurred. I went outside again. The cabbage whites were still there. Where had Grandfather gone? I looked roughly where his gaze had been fixed, where his eye seemed to be looking. Far away, over the sycamores, I was sure, and became gradually surer, that there was a black shape lurking. It wasn't lurking. It was flying. It was coming for me. I felt a hand on my back. It was Cousin. I know it's a bit weird, he said, but I really like you, Cousin. I was puzzled. I shielded feeling with hostility. Why? I said unwarmly. I can't take my eyes off you, he said. That's not really a reason, I replied. What do you like about me? At that moment, a strange butterfly arrived into our scene. He had driven all the cabbage whites away. He was big, speckled, beneath his white dappling, very ale-coloured, very strange-looking. His flight was laborious, large, commanding. The vegetable patch was vacated. I had never seen such a butterfly before. He faced me. He had wicked little lenses for eyes, an acrimonious squint, the long, resilient straw looked a mean, disagreeable proboscis, and his bat ears were feathered. The butterfly landed on the melting torso of Uncle, my cousin's father, who was still supine on the patio. Then the butterfly opened his mouth parts, very wide, and said with very handsome, authentic diction, as though he had been thinking of it all day, one word. F-
法